What's up, everyone? You've got an all-new episode of Unbuckled Chin Strap. This is your host, Paul Rabel, and I've brought on number 15 for the Redwoods. That's new. I don't think there was a 15 last year. There's a 15 this year. His name's Miles Jones. He's one of the most popular, most talented lacrosse players in the world. Played at Duke, grew up in Long Island, started playing lacrosse like me when he was in sixth grade, except he played defense first. We actually didn't talk about that in this podcast, so I'll just give you a quick read on that. He played defense, but carried the ball over the midfield line almost every play when he had it in his stick and took shots on goal, so his coaches decided to put him at the midfield. And now he's one of the greatest midfielders to ever play the game. Miles and I go deep on everything from his time at Duke to uh, what it's like to take on all this pressure, not only as one of the best players formerly in college lacrosse, but now in professional lacrosse, and especially being an African-American player. And then we jump into the PLL and the trade and his feelings on Sergio Salcido and the shit that Sergio talked when the trade happened. So it's jam-packed. Hope you enjoy it. Miles Jones, let's get it. Miles, what kind of vino you got? Uh, so I make this sangria. It's pretty good. I have some leftover from the weekend. It's, uh, it's fresh fruit. It's a good, it's a good mix. You should write this down. It's I got, I it's have fresh my notepad. Fruit. <laughs> it's fresh fruit, um, Spanish wine, a little bit of orange juice, and cognac. And that's what you got right now. I saw you yeah, I got a little, yeah, a little, little bit right now. It's uh, it's a nice little doozy for a day off. Yeah, today was your day off. Today's usually I train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And you're making it out to your buddy's gym to get your workout yeah, so in. My, yeah, my buddy has a gym right here in Atlanta, a uh, good friend of mine. And you know, obviously, the gyms are open down here slowly but surely. But he has co- kind of more of a boutique gym where he takes clients, um, you know, in small groups. So, y'all check in with him what part of the day. Usually, you know, usually it's around the middle of the day um, that he has open. I'll just, you know, pop in there, get a good two hours in. Good two hours. You seem like you work out with other, like, beast athletes. Who, who, what's the gang like? Who, who, who are you training with? Yeah, I trained with a bunch of guys. Um, so a guy, Andrew Adams, he's a you know a defensive back for Tampa Buccaneers. One of my good friends, Marcus Sales, a defensive back for um, – he actually went to West Georgia, but he plays for the Vikings now. Um, I was training with Montez Sweat, who you know was a first-round overall pick in last year's draft. Uh, so I trained with you know monsters, and yeah. you know these guys always talking to me about you know asking me questions about lacrosse, trying to get me to play football. That's I bet. That's what I'm saying. You're showing them <laughs> yeah. up. I, you know, there's it's it's so unique because you can have a, a world class soccer player who's you know five seven, buck thirty five, fast as lightning, you know wins everything, and then you have uh, you can have a huge uh, linebacker O lineman who's who's pushing three hundred plus pounds, and you have corners that. You know, buck 85, 5'11 to 6'2. And then you got you, probably the biggest frame in professional lacrosse. A lot of people sometimes will look at you or someone like Sergio Perk, and I used to carry that that size before key, you came along. People are like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> how do you, how do you hold up in those workouts? And what are the workouts like? Do they do a hybrid of an NFL workout into a lacrosse workout? What are you guys doing? Yeah, so it's actually kind of funny because usually, you know, I've always – you know, anytime someone's around me, you know, I always get that sort of unspoken competition, in the, especially in the weight room. And, you know, I'll work out with some of the bigger guys and we'll be doing power cleans. And, you know, I was like, okay, let's slap, let's slap another 45 on there. And the guys will look at me and be like, oh, big dog, you got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, how, it's funny how, like, the, uh, the mentality is a little bit different, you know. You know, of, you know, anyone who plays lacrosse understands that, you know, we, we love our sport and we, you know, we want to 
put our sport on the map and those guys are kind of looking at us like, yeah, we want to know more about your sport and it's cool to see how, how you grind versus how we grind. And, you know, for the most part, it's the same, but, um, you know, I do, you know, like to challenge myself and you know, I'll lift with the linemen. Sometimes we do bench. Those guys are, you know, pretty beefy dudes and they'll, they'll crank out a bunch of, you know, a bunch of reps and I'll try to hop in there and, and you know, compete that way. And it's always good. The best part, my favorite part about um, the training with the NFL guys is definitely running routes and doing agility stuff against the cornerbacks. Yeah. I've so, seen you know, that on your guys, Instagram. Yeah. So these guys are used to just, you know, covering, you know, guys, my size and guys, you play football and it's just fun to kind of get out there and get in that routine again. It's fun. Yeah. They're not used to guys, your size that has quickness. I mean, yeah, so that was like the big turn of like the Rob Gronkowski era who now we see a lot of tight ends who uh, basically go out wide a bunch and find mismatched with linebackers is guys, your frame used to not be able to, you know, cut on a dime or have a shake to them so you could match up a linebacker with them. And then if you put a faster player on like a corner, you just use your shoulder and size to catch a ball. Absolutely. And it's funny because when I when I run routes against these guys, you know, I'm doing two step split dodges, three step split dodge, and they're yeah. like, yo, I've never seen like, that move before. Yeah, call, <laughs> we call I remember talking to Brendan Burke about it. He was like, Why do you guys call it a dodge? And I was yeah. like, I don't know. It's just what it's always been called. He's like no one else really calls it a dodge in any other sport. I've never thought about it until Brendan Burke was in our offices, and he was like, I had to get used to calling it a dodge. Like in hockey, you don't call it a dodge. A you call it yeah. dukes, you call them moves, you call them cuts. Jukes. You call them dot jukes. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. They're, they're probably like, what are you doing? What, what is this dodge? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like they, they, they've never seen it because it's kind of deliberate. You're running at somebody and you right, left. You, everyone, like everyone's used to you just going with that left foot and then you hit it like another left foot going the other way and guys are like yeah i've never seen that before yeah and they and the funny thing is they want to go against me because you know it's something i'm used to so it's something that you know i'm going to do every time i grow up and run against them or route against them and they want to see it because it's it's something that they've never seen before yeah you you rarely see wide receivers some of them do like julio jones has like big hesitation judy does coming out of alabama like they have like the multiple hesitation because the thing about football, and the reason why a lot of receivers don't, is it's the, the, the route tree is so predicated on timing. So if you slow it down by doing a couple of hesitations to hit your break, you're either behind or, or in front of the ball uh, that hits you because it, it happens so fast. Quarterbacks got to get it out in two and a half, three and a half seconds. So a lot of those guys, not that those guys don't have the ability to, they just never develop that skill because they don't have to or they shouldn't. And I remember doing that early when I was with Under Armour back in the day. I graduated and I would do some training like you are now with some of the Ravens uh, cornerbacks and I would run and they would just be like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> this, this isn't normal. And then they'd start getting defensive. They'd be like, well, you don't get that space in a game and I got someone coming under and I can cover you. I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's, that's always their go-to. It's like, listen, man, the ball gets out in three seconds. I'm like, listen, if someone wants to, you know, stop, watch this. Yeah. And, and, they, and they count at three and a half and the teleceiver tele quarterback throw the ball. I promise you, I'm still going to get some type of separation where you're going to be a little confused. The, the other thing that I noticed from training with uh, I remember I, I trained like a, a, almost a, an entire offseason with Rudy Gay when the NBA was doing their lockout had been a while ago in Baltimore is uh, and then I've trained with football players is it, the main sports seem to hate conditioning. Basketball, you have to be really fit. Basketball, as you know, is like a different level of fitness, but you earn that fitness on the court. And that's what's so good about pickup is like you just get into game shape by playing games. In lacrosse and football, because it's full contact, 10 on 10, it's hard to get game shape by just playing pickup. So we're used to conditioning. Then on the football side, you don't have to be in like long form conditioning shape. You're playing for four seconds at a time. And unless you're a receiver or a corner, you're not really running more than 
you know, five square yards. So, uh, so, so I remember going through those workouts and then finishing with three hundreds and everyone being like, nah, we're straight. Not going to do any 300. <laughs> what are you, what are you guys doing for condition? Do you have to break off and do yours? Um, no, he'll make us do like, um, some, I remember one time he made it to the stadium and I was like, all right, sure. I can, I, you know, I can do that. And it's, it's always funny. Cause like, I'll take a break, you know, to your point, I'll take a break from like work, training there for like a week and a half. I'll, you know, I'll be traveling on the road doing something and I'll come back and then, you know, I'll train and you know, my cardiovascular is just way better than everybody else's. Yeah. And it's just, and they're like, yo, like you've been off for like a two weeks. Like, you know, how do you do it? It's like, listen, this is, this is years of, you know, just basically just doing it. You yeah. know, I remember the funny part was my senior year, uh, I remember Coach Janasta came up to me. He was like, "Hey, listen, you know, you have seven games left. We're gonna need you, and I'm gonna. I can't just make you run in practice. So I'm gonna make the team run a little more. But I really need that first midfield line to really just understand that you guys are seniors and you have seven, eight games left, and you have to make it through. So you guys got to be in shape. Damn. And I remember, you know, we were running and. I was looking at some of the guys, you know, huffing and puffing. I was like, this isn't even for you guys. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah. it's how it has to be. And it's how I always been. Like, no matter how big or light I was, I was always able to just run, 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 run until the, you know, until the game was over. Yeah. Dino has his way about like getting a, an acute message with a player, but not feeling like that player has to be isolated. So he, he orchestrates it with the rest of the team. What, um, mm-hmm. do you feel like your, your size uh, I mean, your size is just as much of an advantage as it can be a disadvantage getting up and down the field. Um, you know, your wind's good, but, you know, there's you're just a big dude. How, how do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of uh, it's, you know, it's you pick your poison. You know, I'd much rather be, you know, 6'5 and 245 and 240, 245, and, you know, be able to be physical and durable, you know, throughout a long, a long season like that. Um, I know that with the mountain we're running and, you know, moving around during the summertime, I'm definitely going to, you know, drop a couple of pounds, but just start, you know, I like to start a little bit heavier just because I know that uh, I'll get to wherever I need to be by uh, mid-season and then season form. But um, I definitely do value the fact that I'm able to be a little bit more durable, a little more physical uh, when need be. Um, at the end of the game, nothing's you know better than you know, having a little bit more you know power behind me than you know having you know being light and being able to run up and down. Um, you know, I think when it comes to just being a competitor and athlete, if we need to get up and down and it's do or die for our team, we can get that done. But um, you know, being heavier and being you know much bigger and more powerful, I think that uh, that's just the pros and cons is just ways ways more on the pro side for me. Did you expect that to be such an advantage when you got to Duke as a freshman? I remember watching you your freshman year and you came on real strong in the back half of the season and uh and and, and you were, you know, a, a a big time recruit, but uh but I think like your size and skill must have hit at some point it must have all come together, felt like it came together. Do you remember when a time that it, that that happened, or or was it like getting a chance to go? And what was your mindset like going into your freshman year, and how were you able to be so good? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was actually telling a story the other day. You know, I was on a Zoom call with a bunch of kids, and they were asking me questions about you know bull dodging and all that stuff yeah. where it started. And and this is kind of the moment where I figured, you know, this is uh, this is you know how I'm gonna play. And it's funny because we started off my freshman year playoff game and we knew how much, uh, you know, this season meant to the seniors. You know, that class was really good. 
we had three senior All-Americans, Dave Lawson, Jake Chapuka, you know, Josh Offit, and we were playing against Loyola that uh, week, the first round of playoffs, which was one of the you know, craziest games. You know, Coach Toomey calling timeout and you know the whole drama behind that. Um, and our game plan was to run at their D-Middies, who uh, Coach felt that you know they were more of a physical bunch but were you know susceptible to being bullied if we leaned on a little bit and coach caputo kind of noticed that from the film when they played ohio state and coach kind of found my game for me through the through the uh the scout and it was like hey every time you know our middies get the ball we're going against short sticks we're dodging real physical and that we could practice we had our strength coach come out you know he had a you know a football pad and we were dodging he was letting oh, us wow. have it our strength coach which you know six five six four yeah, yeah. he was like 265 he's a big dude oh so it, was, so it was like pound for pound for you you were going after oh him. yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah so like when i like feeling that contact it felt good it felt you know remind me back to my football days you know i was running the option and running over linebackers and you know our sizes matched up and it was it was a good battle so you know i took that same mentality into that first round of playoff game i think i drew like you know three penalties in, in during the game and i you know dodged really physical in the, in the fourth quarter scored a big fourth quarter goal uh and that kind of gave me life as a freshman i was you know i remember looking up at the score at the uh sideline after scoring a goal after dodging really physical in a really big game um I just saw that, you know, everybody erupt. The guys jumped on me and I, it felt, it felt really good. And I think that's kind of what started that bully mentality for me. Yeah. And obviously everyone knows the, you know, famous bull dodge in a championship game uh, that I actually didn't even score on, but <laughs> um, that's kind of just where it started. <laughs> you know, I just started just shoulder down, right hand, shoulder down, left hand. It was just, you know, it became part of who, you know, how I play. Did you have a shake before that? I mean, I know, I know you can move cause you played quarterback, played hoops. Uh, but was that like was that your go-to in the first half of the season? Then you're like, damn! Once I start adding weight, then I've got a counter dodge. So they can't expect me to be quick on my toes every time because the moment they do, I'm going to jam them. Like, what came first, or did you develop the the split dodge and hesitation dodge after the bull dodge? Yes, yeah, so the split and hesitation came first. first yeah. So um, I think a lot of the scouting reports probably you know said, hey. Right to right split dodge, you know, right to left, you know, slide quickly, you know, something like that. You know, I was being a, I was a young guy and, you know, split dodge, the split dodge for me was, you know, simply crossovers. And my yeah. favorite crossover when I was younger was that, you know, in and out right handed crossover, dribbling in, you know, faking the cross, like the, the Jay crossover, Williams. just coming back. The Jay Williams would do like yeah, the crossover, exactly. then he would also swing back to his left. He'd do that rollover with his right back to his left. I remember being like, damn, that shit is nice. I tried to do yeah, that when that, I played like it. <laughs> like the first the first time you see that you're like yo i gotta try that <laughs> yeah, so yeah. i I incorporated it into you can't really do it one-handed because like you're not gonna really catch anybody um but like when i started figuring out how to get that right to right shake where i was really you know off my right foot and leaning to the left everyone you know started jumping on that so usually so when i started doing the bull dodge that's kind of when i you know, people were kind of on light on their toes, like ready for, you know, some type of shake and, and split dodge. But when I leaned into them, they weren't ready to, you know, stabilize their body. That's kind of why I took advantage of that. So then, you know, now I kind of reverse that. You know, a lot of people expect me to be real physical in the dodge. And sometimes I'll just, you know, run towards you like I'm, you know, I'm going to lower it. And then I'll just, you know, off the right foot to the left. And obviously everyone's trying to force me to the left. So if I get that left step, you know, I feel like that's a very comfortable place for me. That's something I developed in my sophomore season when I was able to shoot the ball lefty on a run. Yeah. How'd you get that lefty shot? Repetition? Repetition now is just 30 minutes before practice, 30 minutes after practice. On the run? Or, or, were, you like, run. or were you building your left hand? Were you doing both? Time and room on the run? Uh, I was just doing on the run, just yeah. balls in the left alley, sprint full speed, 
it, it's it's funny because it's tough to shoot the ball on the run in practice. It's like you're you're doing it over and over again. You get you're getting more and more tired, and it's you know it's one of those things that like it's not fun to do. But when you master that, man, it feels good to just run down the aisle and smash one, and, and you know, it, no one touched you. Slide gets there late, and that's the thing about shooting on the run. It's uh it's the most difficult skill to master in lacrosse. That's why very few people are good at it, and it's also uh, uh you know a, a real challenge to do because you're essentially running sprints. So you're basically got to go out to your backyard and be like, all right, I'm about to run 25, 40 yard dashes, and that's only if you think about it in comparison to time and room shooting, you're getting 25 reps. So yeah. like it's a bitch to practice your shot on the run because you're constantly doing sprints. Because if you do it on a jog you ain't going to be ready for your shot on the run of the game. And that's when you pull it right or shoot it short side uh, if you're coming down lefty. So I, I remember being in, being, uh, you know, in, in college and a little bit in high school. I, and that's why I asked you that question. I didn't practice time and room shooting very much. I just knew because of my skill set, my ability to dodge, that most of my shots would be on the run. And I just gutted through it in the backyard. I was like, there's not as much value in me practicing time and room shooting when I'm not going to shoot the ball time and room as much as I am on the run. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've actually started doing, you know, later in my career. I was remember uh, you know, a few years ago, I was trying to figure out how can I score easy goals, easy step downs. Yeah. I think as the as the years, you know, pass, you know, step downs are few and far between for me. You know, a lot of my goals are, you know, hands tangled up, you know, shooting on the run. A lot of my goals are sweeping across the middle, hands tangled up. Yeah, from distance. So, yeah. So it's like a lot of the stuff that I practice it doesn't even we know we've been playing lacrosse for a long time. We can catch the ball and, and you know smash it any any corner we want. But you know those those shots just don't come. People are closing out to us fast. So my a lot of my stuff is you know hitch, hitch roll, catch roll off the off the pass, and just a lot of creative creativity things. So our game happens so much faster at the yeah. PLO level that it just you you have to just build on different things that you're uh, used to you know kind of happening in a quick instance in a game. Yeah, that's what we talk about too. Is um as dodging midfielders and if you can create space from outside you know for college and high school specs outside the box you create space outside the two-point arc for us a slide's going to come and it's going to come quick so that the, the shot selection for us is always of higher degree of difficulty than take attackment with time room shooting we've been working with our stat keepers to build out a some type of metric or design around shot difficulty because if you look at midfield shooting if they're a phenomenal dodging midfielder, they're shooting high 20%, low 30%, and they're a dodging midfielder on the run, you're like, whoa, what a season. And, and yeah. if you look at you know, time and room attackman shooting, if you're in the high 30s, 40%, I mean, it's, that's a 10% delta. You're like, this is a good shooter. So a lot of times people don't understand that difference, and they'll look at shooting percentages and be like, this attackman shoots at 40%, this midfielder shoots at 25%, this attackman shoots but They're just completely fucking different shots. And so oh, not only are you on the run with a lower angle from further out, but you're having to shoot over the top of a slide man who's coming to you, right? And you're also having to make that split decision as you survey the field to either make a, an assist or a, or a pass down the alley. And, uh, and it's just ve it's very difficult. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing a, a small violin because no one really gives a shit how difficult it is. They're like, you got to put the ball <laughs> in the net. But, but you, you figured out passing too. Was pet, did passing come? Because you've got – I remember watching you now your junior and senior year. Those games were running back last weekend uh, during Memorial Day. They were playing back your guys' game against against Notre Dame and a few other ones. But uh, you had that pass off your hip down pretty quick. A lot of uh, a lot of college players and even pro players out of the midfield can't pass off their hips. When did you learn that? Yeah, so I actually learned that uh, that was a basketball skill I picked up. Uh, 
you know, when I was younger, I, I used to watch, you know, a lot of LeBron, a lot of magic and, you know, these bigger guys who, you know, could physically dominate the game if they wanted to, but it was, you know, something special about the way they involved their teammates, yep. you know, and I had, I had great shooters around me at all times, you know, guys who, you know, it was, it was a lot easier to trust guys when I saw how hard they worked, you know, right in front of me, like I practice, you know, Deemer was one of the hardest working players I've ever, you know, played with. And I saw how, how much he loved to perfect, you know, shooting. Hmm. So, you know, and he was my linemate for four years. So every time I dodged and I saw him open, it was, oh, let me get the ball to him quick. And, and, and you know, in practice, yeah, you throw the ball overhand, throw a sidearm, but slides started coming to me very quickly. And I was like, you know what? I'm not seeing a lot of success in, you know, you know finding open man fast enough or quick enough or quicker, just quicker than the slide. So I started, you know, when I was in uh, college, you know, I was, you know, always Googling, you know, Magic Johnson highlights and he would always, you know, dribble the ball in the fast break. And before the ball came up to his chest to make a chest pass, he would just catch it at his hip in his palm and just throw it. Yeah. And, you know, something I remember I used to do when I was a young kid too. And, you know, you had your fair share of, you know, passes that went out of bounds. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, whatever. But especially in hoops, you know, you're trying to throw that one, you know, no look. My coach would joke around and say, Magic, slow down. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I was I was testing limits there, and you know when I kind of you know started watching those passes, like you know you could definitely do this in a sport of lacrosse. You know, drop especially because I was so big, I could drop my hands away from my body, still protect it, my stick with my shoulder, have my six extended far enough so I can flip it around the defender, and I just started doing it often in practice. So it was just like I would stand there, and Demon would, you know, stand in his little spot, and I would just two steps away and just and just slip it to him. Yeah, just slide it, slide it, and it became easy, and you know. When you're able to slide from your hip, especially when you start able to throw it back or across your shoulder, yeah, from the from the um from the hip, that's when you get you know really dangerous. I remember I um I threw a pass like that to Case Mathias, just sprinted to the middle, slide came from across, uh, came from like the adjacent. They they rotated very well, and I just caught from my hip and I just flipped it over my shoulder, back across. And uh, I remember you know you know you know how it is when you do something that you practice all the time, it just feels it feels good, feels right. Yeah, and, and when, it, when it connects, you're like, I, I did that, and I fucking worked on that. Yep, that's when you're in your flow state. Did you, everyone talked about Duke being in their flow state in the second half of the season? I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you guys addressed it. Obviously, I was never in the locker room, but uh, you know, ten years out of graduating, and almost every year, it's like Duke drops a couple games early, then they start coming back, and then they're in the Final Four, and then they win a fucking championship, and you're like, all right. Is, is John Donowski playing, planning this? And I remember thinking, because we lost our fair share going to three championships in four years in the beginning, and there, there then becomes, after that consistency, this conspiracy theory that you're losing almost on purpose to develop scar tissue. That ain't the case, but was that for us? Was that the case for you guys? How, how, did, how did Dino manage those early season woes? And then when did you guys like mentally turn it on? Yeah, so Coach Coach uh, Koshinowski was really good at uh, planning. He was a great planner for sure. He would, you know, we in the early in the season we'd have a game, you know, Saturday Sunday or Saturday Monday, and he wouldn't be like, "Oh, this is gonna be a tough game." He would just, you know, let us go through it, and you know, you play, you know, a good out of out of conference opponent, and then you play what most might think was, you know, a walkover slouch game, and you know, one of those two games is a game you lose. And, you know, you lose your first game, you know, the team hasn't gelled yet. We just, you know, we had a month to practice and figure it out, and we just haven't. You play a slouch team, you get a win, now you're one and one. You do the same thing next weekend, now you're two and two, and people ranked you as number three team in the country, you know, before the season starts. So now you're, you know, out of the top ten. 
Yeah. And Coach D uses that as, hey, listen, you guys aren't that good right now. And it's, it's you know, for the most part, it is a mind game. You know, we, we dropped two games and we were ranked number three in the country. And it's, you know, you're a young, you know, 21, you know, 20 year old kid. And, yeah. you know, what, what, what people rank you and that's all you care about. You're reading that stuff. And, you know, it gets to your head. And now you're like, wow, you know, maybe we aren't that good. Maybe we do need to, you know, throw that shit aside a little bit and, you know, put our put our nose down and, and really grind. And uh, Coach Janowski didn't even have to say that. Hmm. You know, he would, you know, he might he might joke about it here and there. Oh, we're ranked number three. Oh, and he'll be like, oh, like uh, ESPN called me this week. They're asking what they, we should rank them, uh, rank uh, Duke at. I'm, I'm putting us at 20. <laughs> like, so, so, like he'll, he'll say things that, like, will get under, you know, certain guys' skin. You know, maybe, you know, after Coach has a conversation with us before practice, we'll bring it in and be like, yo, you know, let's let's grind today like we know what you know what kind of position we're in right now and it was just i think we had one winning february out of my four years there yeah and crazy like four and two and, and that would and make that like, would make you go nuts i mean i remember i mean we never had that perspective because coach petro just coached a different style than than dino but uh i remember man we were talking about this during quarantine right now because I got long ass hair and I'm like, damn, it's like every time I go to bed, I look at myself in the mirror and be like, I think I'm just going to shave my head right now uh, every single night. <laughs> and I remember thinking the other night, I was like, the last time I did that, we were three and five. We ended up going to a champion. That was my senior year. We ended up going to championship that year, but three and five, we were the only Hopkins team in history that had a three and five record at any point during the season. Year before that, we were four and four, we went to the championship too, but three and five, we were like, oh, it's over. And I remember it was my yeah. senior year, I was a captain, I just went right into my uh, bathroom, I was go, like, having a ton of anxiety, and I just started shaving my head. <laughs> 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 so I think now I'm like, damn, maybe I'll shave my head, but it brought me back to that, that time 12 years ago. Um, but, but I used to go nuts and I remember I couldn't process it, but it sounds like you guys had, had good perspective throughout. You probably had good leaders too. Jordan Wolf was one of them. Yeah. Hey, Jordan was a good leader. Uh, jo Jordan had a funny leading style because he was a guy who, um, you know, he led by example. Um, you know, he was vocal in, in, you know, important moments, but I, you know, Jordan was probably the biggest competitor I've ever played with. And it, and it was practice. It was drill after drill. It was, you know, drills that didn't even require competitiveness. It, he would just always had that competitive drive. And it was, uh, I remember one time, <laughs> it was my sophomore year. Jordan was a senior. And, you know, I think we were, we were headed into the playoffs. And we were doing a drill where, you know, a scrapping drill where coach was rolling the balls out and defense were whacking the shit out of us. And, you know, we're getting after them. And um, Jordan was on one. He was barking after yeah. every like if we scored a goal, he was barking at Chris Hips, like, screaming at him. You know, anytime the defense, you know, every time we messed up, he was screaming at one of the guys who messed up. And I remember I was kind of walking over to get some water and Coach Caputo kind of grabbed him aside. He was like, Jordan, you want to win so bad that it might be detrimental. Take a deep breath. Mm. Like that was just him. Like he was so competitive and he kept yeah. everybody in check. You know, Christian Walsh is also a great leader. Um, he was a guy that, you know, he just played, he just did his, did his job, played his role. He was a senior. Me and Deemer were a little bit, you know, hot headed as sophomores. Cause you know, we weren't, weren't playing well. And I wasn't playing that well in getting my sophomore season. I think mm. I played nine games, had like 13 points. Oh damn. And then, yeah. So and everyone then you turned on the afterburners. Yeah, everyone thinks that sophomore season was just like first game to last game, which is I was dominating. But like, you know, 
I, I think, you know, through nine games, we ended up playing probably like 20 games. I ended up scoring, you know, 50 points in 11 games. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember so, Paul Kark talking about that too. He'd be like, damn, all of us, like overnight, Miles Jones became one of the point leaders in the country. Yeah, it was it was one of so no, no one knows that you know I was I had a shitty first half of the season. Were you thinking? Were you and, questioning yourself? Were you like, damn, this is a sophomore slump? You know, I I was because, you know, I was I in my head, you know, I was you know I was like, damn, he's got three seniors left. You know, I played sixteen games as a as a you know, sixteen games as a freshman. I'm definitely gonna step on and and you know be that guy and and you know be the guy in the midfield, and you know it wasn't happening so. Uh, I remember Coach Caputo texting me, and he said, "Jones, dot dot dot, you have 13 points in nine games." Oh shit! <laughs> and and that was it. That's all he texted me. The next game, I was a totally different player. Yeah. And he knew he knew how to coach me. He was very much like my dad, other than you know being you know short and bald. But you know he he knew how, he knew how to get under my skin. And and you know he was one of the best coaches I've ever had. He was you know he was a, a guru. He knew ins and outs of the hmm. cross. And, Sounds know, like he so pushed many, the right right? buttons too. He just oh, kind of yeah. like boom, I'm gonna do it. The timing was huge too. If he said it the and, game before, it may not have landed. Absolutely. And he was one of those guys that he was, you know, not only was he a studier of, you know, the game, but he studied his, 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 you know, players and he knew how to push guys differently. He knew that I was a guy you can get under my skin and I wouldn't fold and be sensitive about it. And he knew I'd come up, I'd come there with a little fire under my ass and, and, you know, show up and show out. So, you know, he pushed me the right way and he knew that he could do that to me. Quick break in the action. This episode is brought to you by You've Got It. Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster is the presented by partner of the PLL and the PLL's championship series that begins this July 25th and goes through August 9th on the NBC Sports family of networks. Ticketmaster is not only our official ticketing partner, but they're a go-to app as a landing source for everything sports and entertainment. Make sure you download their app if you haven't already. It sits on my home screen. Ticketmaster is a huge supporter of lacrosse and the PLL. So we ask that you download their app and support them in return. They help us go. So thank you, TM, and let's get back to Miles. All right, I got to tell one Jordan Wolf story because I played with him uh, in, the, in the past world championships, and I'm, I know from playing against him that he's got that fire because he'll just, like, freak out on the other side of the field. He'll go, fuck! He'll just yell it real loud. <laughs> and you're like, damn, that guy's – Yeah, I, I know what that feeling's like. I know what that feeling's like, and I've had to be pulled aside by Coach Petro and Coach T and uh, different guys. Be like, you gotta, you gotta breathe because you're going to be your own worst enemy. And so we were in practice. It was a really simple drill. Missed, missed the goal, and just was like, "Fuck!" Like you know, <laughs> so loud to himself. And the practice was like all quiet. And I remember walking over to him like, "Yo, y'all good, man? Y'all good?" Like I know what that's like, but. Yeah. we're with you <laughs> and I could just I just knew at that moment because I could feel it as his teammate for that time that this guy carries like yeah. a, an insatiable passion and burn for competition I, I always well I don't know where it comes yeah. from but I mean we all have it but he's uh but he had that extra bite where you're like damn you you can uh you can really see why he was a first team all-american and you know won championships and shit like that yeah, he's uh, he's one of a kind for sure. Yeah, he, I've I've heard my fair share of uh, f bombs from him. Yeah, the the, uh, the best one <laughs> is we were playing against a team that was that you know was, they were going to run a zone against us. So Coach knew, and we were getting ready for it. And and 
you know, Coach Caputo and Matt Danowski. Matt Danowski has that fire too. And yeah. the funny thing is he carried that as a coach. There were so many times he screamed at me at Deemer. He's like, Jones, you missed the cage one more time. Deemer has to run two, three hundreds. So I'm shooting bounce shots in the middle of, at the middle of the net. It was it was great. Um, but we were running in zone, and you know we just couldn't figure it out. Like we were throwing the ball, the defense was knocking down passes. We couldn't get the offense right. And in the middle of the play, we run a play where Jordan carries the ball from the base up to the wing, and you know we figure out how they're gonna you know, play it, throw it back or throw it forward. And I remember Jordan was carrying the ball up; he was had his one hand on a stick, and he was yelling, "Patience, patience, patience!" Yeah. And then, and then in the middle, in the middle of the play, so we're all like, "Okay, we're like getting, we're like calming down a little bit," and he just he, he runs up to the wing. And just fires the ball. The goalie saves it. <laughs> he launched his stick <laughs> and the loudest f bomb. Oh, was, this is during a game. He threw his stick and. This is, no, no, no. This, 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 this is during practice. Oh, 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 like, and, oh my god! And uh, I remember I had to turn around and just I, I had to just take like five deep breaths. I almost lost my mind. It was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was it was good. So you got so so we'll transition to this. So so you've got a bunch of uh, guys who played at Duke, obviously, and then played pro ball, um, and then as you've you've uh, entered the next phase of your career, there was never even a hesitation around. All right, I'm I'm a professional lacrosse player. I'm gonna take this thing full time. Um, what's what's that? What was that transition like? That build up period like? Were you in college and seen? The traction that was being had and maybe some of the sponsorships that were coming out and you're like i'm taking this or were you at a place your junior and senior year were you looking at jobs after school and having to make a decision what was that like for you yeah it was actually it's actually a funny funny thought because when i came my freshman year you know you know you set goals for yourself uh my freshman year i was like hey man i want to play in every game you know i want to help my team win whether that's a goal and assist every game you know do something to contribute and uh you know we won a national championship and you know i was the only black kid on the team and you know people started taking notice of that and i was kind of naive to the importance of that um and you know i looked up to kyle I looked up to you and you guys paved the way in terms of you know guys taking that you know leap of faith and taking it full you know full throttle with pro lacrosse and um you know kyle was in my ear a bunch you know when i was when i was growing up and you know we talked here and there um and then i kind of my sophomore year as i burst onto the scene you know as you know guy who was you know putting up big numbers and producing and, and helping my team you know i also burst onto the scene as this role model and yeah. you know I, it, it was different because, you know, I was, you know, you know I'm, I'm an African-American male and, you know, people are, you know, trying you know watching to see like, oh, how is, you know, how is his game different? How, you know, how does he play? How, how is this? And, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, people just, a lot of eyes were just on me. And I think that I can kind of, you know, thank the position I was kind of put in for who I am today. Cause you know, I am very conscious of, you know, my surroundings and things I do and understand that I'm under a microscope as somebody who's a you know, role model for a lot of young kids of color. So um, that plus, you know, the, my play and then going to Duke and play on ESPN. I was just like, you know, I, not that I've set my, I personally did this, but I kind of have been set up to, you know, more or less kind of carry this torch of, you know, 
showing kids that you know pro lacrosse and going full throttle with this is you know something that's different it's cool it's you know, it's lucrative it's you know it's special yeah and um you know now being in a position i think it's it's really cool because you know I, I lean on creativity in order to build brands you know and it's you know it's each and every day is different and it's not you know going to work and it's you know it's me working on my body it's me working on myself mentally it's me working on my skill and it's you know me working on you know my brand and building that so um like anything else it's you know it's something that you have to put you know all, you're all into and when you do you'll see you'll reap the benefits of it in a big in a big way and you know i worked at you know nike as an intern you know i could have done sports marketing and for the most part i think my you know studying marketing in school and and you know having that sports marketing you know experience definitely helped me market myself in yeah. a way yeah i mean it's, it's something that i lean on even as uh as a co-founder of this league is i didn't have like traditional sport professional sports experience at the executive level but we're actually as as athletes who are marketing ourselves and learning about social and communicating with audiences you pick up on, on a ton of trends in media and marketing in particular but going back to uh so so you were the only black player on duke um you know you were the best player in the country i remember the the, the cover of the magazine at one point was actually you and lyle so it was, it was the I think the right look and 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 the look for lacrosse, which was a Native American and an African American player who were both dominating the college ranks. Did you feel? Did you also feel pressure? I mean, you described that like, hey, I'm I'm a leader, and you accept that role. Uh, but do you think there's un, unfair pressure around being someone as athletic and as sized out as you in a sport where? Uh, you know, you are on the side of minority versus, say, basketball. Yeah, um, that is, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself and, you know, there's nothing worse than putting a lot of pressure on yourself and then, you know, there being added media pressure and, yeah. and what I, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, we were talking about, you know, press clippings and, you know, Duke number three in the country to start a season, you know, being on the cover and, you know, I was on the cover of U.S. lacrosse, I think the next, like that same year, mm-hmm. um, so it was something that, you know, I was like, hey, listen, I have to, you know, I have to show out. I have to, you know, be on my best game because even a game where, you know, you know, I had two goals and, and one assist, you know, it was. Yeah, people are like, come was, on, man, what's that? Yeah, it was <laughs> like it was, those days. It was, it was a press clip. It was like, hey, you know, so-and-so did a good job, you know, uh, neutralizing Jones. I'm like, listen, if somebody scores, if somebody has three points a game and they – you know, play 17 games in a season, you have 51 points. 51 points as a midfielder is like, hey, listen, you're a first team American, you're all conference, you're all this, all that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't enough for some people. And then, you know, it was games where, like, I would, you know, just be completely unconscious and, and you know, three goals, five assists, and I'd be like, okay. Like, after a game, it was sometimes I couldn't even be happy for myself. I'd be like, all right, all right, we live to fight another week. And, you know, I think – it was, I had a really cool conversation with Coach Janowski about it. He was like, you know, we were just kind of talking about like the pressure and whatnot. This is like after this is my senior year. And he was, and I remember him looking at me like, you know, if I ever, you know, get the chance to coach a player like you, I'll definitely going to, you know, do it a little differently. And, you know, cause he didn't know how much I put pressure on myself. He didn't mm-hmm. know how much, you know, that stuff affected me. And it wasn't even like affecting me the negatively where I was like, you know, crying at night, but I was just, you know, I was, biting at the chomping at the bit waiting for next weekend for us to play just so I can, you know, kind of, you know, redeem myself for my four point outing. That wasn't good enough for, you know, whoever fighting that week. Well, you, you, you bring a different perspective to sports too, 
that no matter how you cut it uh, is, you know, take a look at, I mean, even, even like the MJ doc right around the period. I mean, MJ played in the league when it, the, when the diversity was, was relatively even between white players and black players. And now uh, the majority of, of NBA players are black and it, and it seems like the, you know, the white player falls into like a shooting guard role or something like that. So, it, I mean, I, I bring that because it cuts both ways when you have a sport that is played primarily by a, a certain person that comes from similar backgrounds and has therefore a similar approach to style of play. And then you have someone else that comes in who has a different background and a, therefore a different approach. The coach isn't used to uh, maybe exploring that or getting the best out of it. So you are very much like a pioneer, as was Harry, as were a number of guys that are in our league and playing now. Um, but I think that it's, uh, it's just like such an overwhelming net positive to see more athletes like yourself that dominate the sport of lacrosse and also bring on a different lifestyle to the sport of lacrosse, a different perspective around the intersection of sports and culture, which is something that I think our sport lacked and needs more of. And you've introduced a lot of style into your game too. I think that's been part of your like your, your post-college career. And maybe if, if uh, you know, the universities weren't as strict around pregame attire and stuff, you would have had the swag then as you do now. But how do you think about, I mean, you talk about style a lot related to your game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that, um, you know, my style in the sport of lacrosse was definitely, you know, a little disruptive. It was, you yeah. know, at times it was rough and rugged. Sometimes it was finesse. It was, <laughs> you know, it's so like you just, you just really didn't know. You really didn't know who was going to show up on what play. I was running out of box. You're like, all right, are we going to get, you know, our, 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 our back of our shoulders going to be on the ground or yeah. our knees going to be together and ankles, you know, separated? So, yeah. you know, or would you give was, it to them both like you did the guy done? He got both. Yeah. He got both in one play. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean to give him both, but you know, I guess <laughs> he got them both in one play. He got the split out of the gate and then he got the shoulder on the second dodge. Yeah, I don't that and the funny thing is that's something I also work on. I work on, you know, cones, boom, going up field, going downfield. So, you know, that was that also felt good to come together. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just sometimes, you know, it's just I think it's just me bringing just all the things that I just grew up doing. You know, I grew up you know, playing football in the street. I grew up playing basketball in the street. You know, I grew up the, the you know the youngest kid on the on the block and pushed around. And you know, I grew up you know getting pushed on the concrete, playing two-hand touch football in the street. You know, it was just you know going out there playing lacrosse and dodging. It's just like the best part of of the game. And it, I do bring my own. You know not necessarily street style, but I bring my own, like, you know, I grew up this way. You know, I grew up being, you know, an 11 year old kid playing against kids who were 16, 17, 18 years old. And I knew what it was like to be competitive and take, you know, take each and every small nuance of the game as, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Because it's, when I get, when I, I have the ball, it's personal between, you know, whoever's guarding me. Yeah. You, you can be my best. You can be one of my great, greatest friends, one of my you know best friends in the sport, you know, a guy I hang out with after a game. But, you know, if I have the ball and you and you approach, you know, it's it's personal for the first, for the for these four or five seconds here. Um, yeah, so probably that, even that, more that, personal when you know it. that person. Exactly. So, like, you know, for example, like me and Hart's are good friends. You know, we've traveled together. You know, I've hung out with him in L.A. a bunch, you know. He's a little older than me, but you know we've always been been cool. But like when he lines up against me, I know he's you know a guy, one of our the best friends in the league. So like, if I have the ball, people are locked in on that matchup. 
Yeah. That, that's got to be a matchup where, you know, I'm dodging hard. And even if it's me dodging hard, leaning into him and moving the ball, it's like, okay, like, you know, it was good. It was good to feel some contact. And next time I touch it, I know you're going to approach. It's personal again for, you know, for three or four seconds again. So, you know, I, I carry that mentality anytime I do something, you know, anytime, you know, someone says, oh, I'm better than you or da, 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 I take that personal. And, you know, it's funny because I was watching the MJ documentary and he was, you know, he'd said, I take that, I took that personal. And it was about small stuff, but I understand, I, I felt that because like, yeah. You know, it was it was me being the 12 year old kid on the block and, you know, the kid across the street who's the best basketball player. You know, he didn't choose me on his team, but, you know, I was like, you know, I want to guard him. You know, I, I want to be I want to I want to guard the best player you know, in our neighborhood. Yeah. And it, that's just that's just kind of how I grew up. And that's kind of just a chip on my shoulder that I carry. It's you know, it's it's not super personal, but it is personal in terms of, you know, competition and, you know, what we have shaking going on in, this, in these small, these small moments here. So, so you played on, on chaos last year, you guys were the, the best team in the league in the regular season. Uh, this is a team that I was listening to a stats call that has like some 14 attackmen right now. And, uh, it's a difficult offense to play in when you're a downhill dodging midfielder, but you, uh, were able to morph in and play a multiple, uh, of roles. And, uh, and it's clear that their organization went another way, but I think the Redwoods were obviously going after you for a while. So that trade happens this offseason. Um, you know, you were the, the poster of the trade, and then uh, you have Sergio Salcido talking about someone who is, is going to make something personal. Um, you know, talks about how, uh, how he's had a better uh, career, or he, he puts some data together to suggest that. So I saw your response. You like LOL'd on Twitter. <laughs> But, but how do you think about like how are you thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, I do take that personal, and you know, that's you know, he's just more so adding to the fire because you know, when you get traded from a team that you think, and the funny thing about me is like, you know, I was everyone's coming to me on the on the chaos. Like, hey, man, what moves do you think we should make next year? Uh, I think you should be in Coach Tower's ear about you know who we should grab next year and what we can do to you know make this thing you know work because your know, things are kind of stagnant towards the end of the season and you know we just need some type of like spark and i was like hey listen i'll be at coaches here soon don't worry about it you know we're trying to figure I'm, like their dates are coming out for tri for um you know drafts and stuff like that as soon as we get close enough to that you know i'm gonna kind of jot some things down about just guys i know and and we're, we're gonna make this work so then um I funny thing is I woke up motivated one day and i was like you know i'm, you know, I'm ready to really fucking attack the day just something about today you know this this is my day. I'm I'm about to get after it. And then I get a text from uh from coach. Like, yeah, man, I call you and get set when you get a second. I was like, all right, cool. And you know, at this point, you know, I've heard a lot of the guys on the Redwoods have been like, yeah, man, listen, we want to get you on our team. We want to get you on our team. And a lot of guys, even after that game, we lost. You know, your head heads down. You're pissed that you lose. You're walking off the field. A lot of guys. Yeah, you, you played know, like a beast that game. Yeah. Yeah, like I was, I was ready to take over that game. I I felt it. I was the best I felt in a long time. And you know, after that game. A lot of the guys in Redwoods grabbed me, like, yo, man, we're gonna try to come get you next year. And I'm like, listen, man, you guys gotta celebrate. Like, you guys are going to a championship. Like, don't you know, don't worry about, you know, next year and whatnot. And uh Coach Nasty Laurent, he's been, you know, trying to get me on his squad for for years now. And, you know, me and him have a great relationship where, you know, it's been, you know, competitor versus competitor. And, you know, I've, you know, talked my fair amount of shit to to him on the sideline when, you know, you've had successful plays. So, you know, um, when I do get traded, it was, you know, it was eye opening. I remember sitting on the couch for like, you know, 15 minutes on my phone, like, oh man, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to have to turn my phone off. You know, it just happened to me, you know, a few years ago in my career, you know, people could be blowing me up. 
Yeah. The people on my uh, my former team are gonna be texting me. You know, people on my new team be texting me. My mom's gonna be like, "Oh my god, what happened?" Right. And my dad's gonna be in my ear. You know, and you know, we live in a social media age where everybody's got their opinion. They're and all it's saying a, shit. Taps yeah. on the phone. So, oh man. So like, you know, at first I you know, I said a couple funny things because you know numbers speak for itself, man. Like twenty, what me and him played together between 2014 to 2016 you know i won a championship in 2014 had you know 63 points and that was my lowest output that year that that those three years i had 77 points and 70 points so i'm not really sure out of the midfield Mm. so i'm so when i heard when i heard the college statistics and you know comparisons yeah i couldn't help but laugh i'm not someone who entertains anything like that because you know the numbers really speak for itself uh and you know Yes, I didn't have the best year and 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 the year I expected last year, and I think that there were a lot of things going on, you know, you know trying to figure out how we're we gonna run this offense. Are we gonna do- downhill dodge? Are we gonna east west dodge? We did things like we had one midfield, one run, one offense, one midfield run the other offense. Don't get in the flow. Some guys wanted to run this offense versus that offense. So you know, we did go through our fair fair share of bumps in the road, but for some reason, we just made it work. You know. We had, you know, big plays from Connor. We had a lot of great transition plays. Um, you know, Jared stepped up in a, in a bunch of games, and we kind of hid behind, you know, a couple facets of, of our team that that worked. And when teams figured out that, you know, if you just run back on defense and stop the transition, you just knocked off three goals. You realized that, you know, different other small nuances of how to guard us. You knocked off a few goals and went from got a team that was scoring 15 goals a game to scoring, you know, seven. And we were looking around in the, in the huddle like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, we were, we were you know, happy-go-lucky guys swinging our sticks around and, and headbutting each other. Now we're, you know, we look confused. So um, it was very difficult at times. And, you know, I think that I'm definitely in a better situation now because, you know, I played with Walt, me and uh, Dubs for a long for my rookie season, and it was you know instant connection. Not only do we you know have very similar interests and in, in style and whatnot, but you know he's a righty, I'm a lefty. I'm dodging, I'm slinging the ball. He's catching ball, throwing the net. Yep. You know, I'm playing. I'm playing with a bunch of weapons that you know it could it could get real could get real ugly out here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, there's some big you know, dudes. Yeah, there, there's there's I, you and Perk too, two of the yeah, biggest I mean, midfielders. Perk, I think Perk's going to have a great year this year because, you know, I, I'm going to run. I'll put an dodge. insert in my cleats and be as tall as you guys, but I just need a half inch. Maybe. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> but I think, I think Perk's going to have an, uh, an unreal season this year. I think he's, you know, going to be the guy that's, you know, going to benefit off of, you know, playing with me. He's going to benefit off of, you know, hopefully both of us playing defense for a little bit because I played indoor and I played defense. I played transition. So, you know, I, I got that under my belt. I think that's something that I'm definitely going to bring to um, the outdoor game and, and, me and Perk running in transition. Imagine, imagine being on a kickoff team as a, uh, <laughs> as a, <laughs> as a guy running, looking at that as, as me and him run down the field. It's, it's gonna be fun. And what about, uh, what about playing with Harry? This is you playing with Harry for the first time, and he's he's someone that you've stayed in touch with since you were talking about growing up on Long Island and, and playing in high school through to Duke. Yeah, and I think that's gonna be probably the best best experience for me. You know, just you know. I've always played on the opposite side of him and, you know, it's always been nothing but love. You know, we've talked before games, you know, even if I play, you know, playing in the same league as him, I play a really good game against somebody else. He'll, he'll be the first one of the first people text me. So, you know, we've always had, you know, a special bond and, you know, I'm pretty excited about, you know, playing with him and, you know, him being in my ear and, you know, being a mentor up close, you know, rather than, you know, obviously being on separate teams. So I think that's gonna be really special. 
So are you are you are you fully past that that the trade the feeling of a trade because I know what that's like and I and I think I I know what you're saying too where I remember when I was traded in the MLL from Boston to New York it it was what 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 you want to say as an athlete and it's frankly out of like embarrassment because it always feels embarrassing to get traded especially when you know there's a different truth behind it which was in my case you had other teams from Chesapeake to New York trying to get me to come over like the Redwoods were trying to get you to come over and it wasn't like hey this is a team that's dealing you um yeah. and so and so you want to say that you're like yo chill out there's like a, a stereotype attached to being traded like shit's not working we were the best team in the in the league last yeah. year uh so I, I know what that's like but it still feels like damn I remember I mean we won my first year in New York because I was so fired up I just like you know I had this off season where that fuel was just lit on fire um is that how yeah. you feel yeah. And, you know, me, I'm, you know, when it comes to motivation, it comes to, you know, fuel it. You know, I'm a different kind of guy. You know, I'm not necessarily going to run my mouth about, hey, like, you know, this week is, you know, we're playing chaos. I'm going to, you know, I'm banging my head against the wall. Can't, can't wait. But, you know, I'm, I'm a you know, small, subtle kind of guy. Like, I remember reading a, a cool quote from Jason Terry, who, you know, NBA legend. So what he used to do is he used to sleep in the other team's shorts the night before. Uh-huh. games so <laughs> so you know I'm, I'm definitely gonna keep my chaos shorts packed and you know when we play chaos you know get a good good na- pregame nap in the chaos shorts and yep. you know you know kind of kind of carry that mentality on my shoulder but you know and it's it's really just you know one of those things where like you know those guys are my one of my some of my good friends you know Deemer and I played together for so long and he and I were kind of bummed because you know we haven't had a situation where you know we've been able to you know, really show showcase what we can do together. You know, we played together, you know, early in our career. You know, I was traded then, you know, played one season with Deemer again, got traded. You know, I played with Jake Ficaro, uh when we were in high school. So me and him, you know, go way, way, way back. Uh, me and Glick, you know, we were roommates together for a number of years. So like, you know, these, I'm, it's, it's one thing I'm leaving my friends. Yeah. You guys had the makings. But, yeah. I didn't so, realize like, there was that much connective tissue. Yeah. Me and Josh Byrne played three years together. Oh, me and Dane yeah. played together. Yeah, and yeah, see, you know, that's why you guys were so close. Yeah, yeah. So like we were like, and we were all young. So like we came in like as young guys. Like we're the same, you know, generation of of, of players, and we've all kind of we're, we're super close to each other. So uh, that is gonna be a little weird, but you know, the competitor in me is, is gonna shine through that and and bleed through that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game. You got you're gonna get caught back on on defense, and then you're gonna get a chance to match up with Sergio. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited about that. One. How are you? Uh, how how are you training for uh, the the twenty games in sixteen days? Is there anything different, or is there like a mindset? Everything kind of, you know, what are you guys doing right now? How are you going to peak? Yeah, so you know, my trainer is really good about you know, you know, kind of the science behind you know week to week. It's hey, look, we're, we're increasing, 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 increasing a little bit, and then you know, right before that, uh, you know, that day we leave, you know, it's going to be a little bit deloading, but I'm going to probably be in the best shape you know, possible, um, that's, you know, muscle mass, that's cardio, that's, you know, doing a ton of, ton of plyometrics so that, you know, my ankles, knees and hips are strong. And, you know, I already know that it's going to be a lot of, you know, split dodging. And I think it's going to go back to you know, my days of playing AAU basketball when we played a game in the morning, we played a game in the afternoon, you know, we played a game at night, woke up, you know, limping to the, you know, to the gym, played a game in the morning, you know, but like, you know, obviously we're a little older and taking care of your body is super important. You know, yeah. you know, I, I get massages. I'm, you know, constantly doing recovery. I have a yoga mat that, 
is right in my living room behind my couch. And you know, every morning at 25, 30 minutes, it's just stretching oh, and making sure I feel like, you know, a million bucks before I just go, you know, absolutely bonkers when I get into the gym. And, you know, that uh, two and a half hours in which I train each day is like, that's my time to kind of shut, shut off my mind, put my phone down. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, touch my phone during my workout. And it's really just, you know, us really getting after it. And these guys understand and they see how much of a competitor I am. Cause I compete, you know, if we're laying down, popping up and doing sprints, like I pop up when I beat you, you know, I'm, I'm going to turn to the left and, you know, and talk a little bit. And I just keep that competitive fire and everything I do until, until it's time to uh, you know, strap up the helmet and, you know, get after it this summer. It's great, man. Well, you're, you're representing yourself. You're representing the league, representing the sport, representing all these kids too. When you're, uh, when you're showing up these NFL players during training, when you're doing the shit that you do on a daily basis. So, um, you know, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to play against you. Um, I'm pumped to to watch you play this summer. I know we, we're under 60 days now, so that so the grind time's on. But um, you know, I, you're in Georgia. Stay healthy. Um, and we're gonna get after it soon. Yeah, there's that. There's that sangria. That homemade sangria. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try it i'll text you the uh the uh ingredients so you yeah can yeah try please yourself. Do. i got nothing to do this weekend so i'm gonna drown Sorry. myself in miles jones sangria yeah, this is this sangria is no joke <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a great show thank you miles for popping on from your crib in atlanta georgia has been open well, more so than California, and I know he's been grinding hard. We talked a lot about in the beginning of the show his time at the gym, and I know he's getting out and shooting. I'm expecting a big season out of MJ. Follow him on Instagram. It's at milesjones15. That's M-Y-L-E-S, Jones15. It's an awesome follow. I get all my style tips from Miles, and, uh, and he always looks huge in the gym. He just uploaded a photo about three hours ago. Miles Jones, everyone. Thank you, MJ, and thank all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to this show. You leave a review. You give us five stars, and we'll be back, as always, next week with an all-new guest. Ooh.